This is the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. And ask this, Ben. How are you doing, man? I uh, I'm I'm hanging in there. <laughs> just had uh, had an exciting weekend. You know, I didn't want you and Zach to be the only ones with like crazy stories on getting to a course. So Zach's still wins, but yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. like uh, three beers into it Friday night, and Ben's calling me. Hey, <laughs> I need a one way rental car from Detroit <laughs> or from Chicago to Detroit. Uh, which is impossible, dude. I called every rental car company there is. So uh, flight canceled in Chicago, get the rental car, but then he has to bring it back. And then what time did you get in last night? You got delayed again. Yeah. So I I was supposed to fly to Detroit on Friday. Snow sent me to Chicago. So they diverted us to Midway. I got the, you got me the rental car and I drove from Midway to Madison Heights, north of Detroit. I got to my hotel at 5.30. The hotel computer system was down, so they couldn't get me a key card for the room. And the guy couldn't look at what rooms were available. So he had to go knock on doors to figure out if there was a room available on the first floor because the elevator was broken. And so (laughs) I got into my room at 6 a.m. and set my alarm for 6.45 in the morning. Yeah, I, I saw you teach. text me. What's the like, point? I'm going, I went to bed at like 10 30. I'm like, hey man, is it how'd it go? And like 4 30 in the morning, I get a like made it. Yeah. Next and that's in. and I'm on Eastern time. So that was 5 30. Wow. And so Lord. you, you know what the, the crazy course. thing is? That was that, that weekend five years ago. Yeah. Oh yeah. Philadelphia. Same, it was Philadelphia same five weekend? years ago that weekend. Oh wow. Yep. One hundred percent. So I go teach the course, you know, and then go to bed and uh, well, I'll take that one step back. I get back from teaching the course. The power is out at the hotel. So they still couldn't give me a key card for my room. <laughs> Good heavens. <laughs> and uh, so we get that straightened out. I get up, drive back to Midway the next morning and check in they couldn't get me on an earlier flight so i'm waiting on my afternoon flight the flight gets delayed to the point where i would miss my connection so they switch me to a different flight and i they have me set up to go to orlando they get me to describe my bags so they can pull them yeah okay. and uh yeah you know you can you know guess how that worked out yeah <laughs> i go through orlando to get get back of course bags don't make it Yep. So I'm there talking to them about how to get my bags back. And uh, yeah, I got home at like 1 a.m. last night. So. <laughs> so that was what I was describing my bags in Michigan. And I'm like, uh, black, yeah. <laughs> hard. <laughs> and they, they wanted me to describe the contents and they get they sent me the, re- the report and the ladies um, said it was full of turn kits, T-U-R-N <laughs> kits. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Jesus, All right, so you're gonna suck ass today. You might as yeah, well yeah. just like uh, yeah. tap out of this one. Yeah, yeah, Zach driving in the snow from Atlanta to Philly that time when his flight was canceled was amazing because I was driving to Houston and you were talking to Jen, and Jen's like, people are canceling in Philadelphia that they can't make it to the course because of the snow, and she's mm-hmm. like. Zach's flight's canceled. He said he's just going to get a rental car with some other dude and drive. 
<laughs> I'm like going through the scenarios, like the legal ramifications. It's like, like, okay, let me think about this. How is it? It's a good course, right? Yeah. Even Sarah, right? Yeah. 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 Matt. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That was. Yeah. I had, I had five people from Michigan cancel because of the snow. And uh, yeah, that was, that was an interesting drive for Bring sure. Your wings, baby. <laughs> Was, was my, it snowing while you were driving? Yes. And that's the worst. They, I, um, that's so scary. I passed about 25 abandoned vehicles that were off in a ditch. Oh, my word. <laughs> um, and I was in this little Toyota RAV4. And I'm I was, I was like, trying to, when they were asking rental cars, I was like, what's the smallest economy you have? I want to I get on a smart car. <laughs> Preferably with bald tires. I. Yeah. I put that thing to the test. There were, it was, it was my little, uh, my adrenaline by the time I got there was so high. I am surprised that I, I think I did fall asleep for like 20 minutes. So I'm glad I, I got that. Well, thanks, man. Yeah. 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 Hey, I made it. I, it was, you know, I can apparently teach a course on no sleep. So I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing for the people that yeah. took the course. I, I've done it on no sleep, but it's because I've been out all night with people um, at the place, <laughs> University of Nebraska. <laughs> luckily, everyone in the course was out with me, so we were all good. All right. Well, cool, man. So we are going to do a, just a recap of combined sections, CSM. So if folks listening um, outside the U.S. or aren't physical therapists, don't know what CSM is. It's our it's our biggest. I, I think it's bigger than annual conference. Our, our scientific conference for physical therapy, APTA, um, the combined sections. So the sections are like ortho, sports, neuro, etc. And so um, I was I was stoked supposed to be there. Ben got us a houseboat in the marina to stay on. I shelled out some big bucks for this party with a purpose that. Um, was supposedly going to have this amazing open bar and my freaking carrier monkey daughter gives me COVID on Thursday. Um, so I missed the whole dang CSM. So I, I'm going to be awesome recapping CSM for you guys. Cause I basically was in my shorts in my house the entire time doing nothing, ordering Uber eats. But, um, I had a couple talks that I had to record and send in, which was a pain in the ass. And people were sending me pictures of their bourbons from the party um that, that we paid for their damn tickets 250 a piece uh, assholes but anyways um i was trying to reflect so i don't remember when my first bfr csm talk was i, I think it was the first bfr talk at csm um and it was like rolled into basically like a new technology we're trying out in the dod so it was with exoskeletons and um, you know, robotics and things like that. And, and we also um, discussed blood flow restriction. So I think that was the first one. Um, I think the first time Ben and I went was 2016. Yep. Okay. So and that was San Antonio, right? For that probably. Yeah, that was San Antonio. Yeah, it was probably like 13, 14, something like that. Okay. It, was in, it was in Vegas, I think. Mm-hmm. Because the main thing I remember is we get done, you know, there's all the people waiting to ask you questions, mostly students. And um, I just, I'm looking at the back and there's these two people standing there and they're in these brown looking uh-huh. military uniforms. They, you know, they got rank on it. 
you know, the main person's got the butter bars, you know, she's a captain. And so uh, um, they come up and I said, uh, you know, they were, they were solid brown. And I said, uh, wow, I didn't know UPS had a military system. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> I feel like I know who these people were. Yeah. This is even better. Yeah, and they didn't laugh, you know. And I was just like, "Huh, all right." So I was like, I, "You know, anyways, I didn't recognize your uniform." Like, yeah, we're with the FDA. And yeah, like, oh, exactly what I thought it was. And I was like, "Am I in trouble here? Like, what's going on?" And they said, "Um, we heard you guys in the DoD were doing this blood flow restriction stuff, and so we're trying to understand exactly what it is because now you're presenting it." you know, out to, to everyone. And, you know, this is a medical device type of thing. Tell us exactly what you're doing, yada, yada. So that was my first encounter. Um, first talk ever on BFR. And then the FDA already hitting me up wondering what it was and never heard anything from them again on anything. I still have their contact because they wanted to do like a follow-up, but yeah, so that was, so in case people didn't know, FDA are uniformed military type people. They just, they just I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't it was know interesting. I want to, so, we got to back up though, because when you said the butter bar, Zach about lost it. And I don't understand that reference at all. So for us, <laughs> like uh, lay, lay people, what does that mean? So on, on your officer's side, the a butter bar is like basically a, in the Marine Corps, we called them boots on the enlisted side. So those are like the new people. So these are like fresh out of college, um, okay. have no experience whatsoever. Um typically aren't thought of with the highest regard um, kind of, you could call them wet behind the ears. Um, okay. Yeah. But and so the cap, the captains, basically it's two little bars. You, yeah. So captains, there's two little two. bars. And then the, uh, okay. so in the Navy, it's like a Lieutenant JG um, is like the O one. Um, the Marine Corps is um is a, is a lieutenant, but it's a different grade, but either way. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there, think of them, Kyle, the equivalent that I would get, Johnny, you correct me if you think I'm wrong, but it's like the new grad. They have mm -hmm. a lot of education behind them, but they don't really have any practical experience. No so context. they rely very much so and very heavily on their like research or school type education versus and then like the practical stuff comes in a little bit later yeah yeah and then you're having you know the the first sergeant under room is actually telling them what to do and how to do it right that's that's exactly <laughs> it yeah the, the, yeah, sen yeah. the senior enlisted basically run um the show yeah yeah so anyways but back to it you know 2013 ish one bfr talk Kyle, you, how many talks on BFR and posters were there? The CSR? There, were, there were eight different presentations. So in person, somebody getting up speaking. And then there were 30 some odd posters at CSR this year. Wow. A, yeah, big, so, a big change for sure. Yeah. 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 You know, Even over last year, there weren't years. that many. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. It's so, cool. and, and I think what's, what's crazy is it was kind of ortho DOD or tactical type stuff. And now, um, I mean, a lot of this was dominated by neuro and, you know, um, ICU heart failure, stuff like that. So I didn't get to meet with them, but you guys want to go into the, to the neuro talk and, and your conversations with the neuro folks. Yeah, we can do that. And, and we probably will have them on the podcast too. Um, okay. But we, uh, when we were kind of looking into this, um, 
we noticed one that the two neuro talks that were happening at CSM were on the same day at the same time, which sucked. Um, so one was Dr. Manyago at CU Anschutz, um, who's doing work in multiple sclerosis, um, has a VA grant, they're examining that. And then the other is, was a group of physical therapists in Fort Wayne, Indiana, that uh, one works for Parkview Hospital System. I think it's Parkview Hospital System. I, I know it's Parkview. I just don't know what the like, rest of the name is. They have about seven different facilities there uh, around the Fort Wayne area. And then two um, of the professors from Trine University there in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And so they were talking about... Um, Basically, they gave kind of a, a simple kind of rundown of BFR, what it is. Um, then another broke down the case studies that have been done on BFR. And then the, the clinician of the group broke down a number of different cases that she's worked with in the clinic using BFR. Everything from stroke to spinal cord injury to, um, oh, there's the one case that I'm forgetting. It was a, a young girl. Transverse myelitis, transverse myelitis. Yeah. Um, so uh, doing a lot of cool things. So anyway, we we put a put together a dinner with them. So Ben and I got to go to that because you know Zach he doesn't really show up to CSM until kind of like when the conference starts, sort of thing. Um, hey, at after, least he showed up. after all the you know hard work of setting up the booth and everything has been I'm done pretty, pretty certain uh, I was, and conveniently I was, conveniently leaves uh before any of the takedown has to start happening i was collaborating Dude, on a, it's, it's on weird a he goes it's the earliest i can get the latest i can get in flight kyle and i'm like zach there's sunday and he goes, <laughs> <laughs> <He's just> <laughs> our yeah. conversation stopped there um but, <laughs> so anyway um ben and i had a good a good dinner with them and uh, just kind of, you know, we wanted to get people together kind of just to talk shop and see, you know, swap stories. And you just kind of never know what comes out of that. And I realized I've just been talking way too long. And Ben, why don't you chime in and talk about our, our dinner? <laughs> or at least that case with a young lady. That sounded pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I thought the, the dinner, just because I feel like we got to have a lot more of a conversation about what they were doing as opposed to what they you know, presented in their, their talk and just overall the experience that they had and, you know, the positive results that they've seen. I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's interesting with these cases, because of course you don't have like a, a randomized control to compare to as far as the results, but it's, um, you know, seeing what they're doing and, you know, the, how broadly they're applying it and kind of adopted it because they were using it so heavily on the orthopedic side of the house. And, uh, so, yeah, I mean, they were using it a lot with their gait training and using it with robotic assisted walking, which of course I, I knew nothing about the CPGs for neuro populations. And so they went over the, you know, the need for high intensity walking and how they actually have a recommendation to not use robotic assisted gait because it's not intense enough. And then, you know, they're like, well, yeah, I kind of need the robotic assisted walking so people can actually do some walking that lasts long enough, but using BFR to make it hard enough might be the way to kind of bridge that gap. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a world that I've never worked in. So it was interesting to see what they were doing and just the fact that everyone tolerated it well. 
they, you know, used 80% occlusion and did eight minutes of inflation just because that's what the unit would default to. So, <laughs> you know, kind of interesting that that was the approach they took because it's probably different than what most people are doing out there. Yeah. Um, but it seemed to work really well. I mean, it, it, you know, was something that they've had some, some really good effects from. So, um, yeah, the, the transverse myelitis case was really interesting as well, just because it's, it's kind of been the, the double no fly zone of, it was, you know, a young kid and, uh, you know, neuro-based pathology. So you know, I want to say that the, the case was on a nine-year-old and they Jesus. basically went from almost, you know, no control, voluntary control of muscle that was noticeable to being able to move a limb in a somewhat gravity eliminated position. So seeing a pretty significant return of muscle function in a pretty short period of time. And so that's just a, a super cool thing to see and opens up a lot of potential for what kind of populations folks are going to use this on. I think that was the biggest thing on that talk and, and having dinner with them is just getting that information out there to break down some of that fear avoidance that we have in these neuro-based populations. Yeah. I mean, it's coming more and more like they need to be doing, like you said, high intensity stuff. You know, you see that with the Parkinson's, you know, stuff coming out of Northwestern, but it's like, how do you get those people to do that? You know? So this is a beautiful bridge. Yeah. That was the, um, when I did the course at Kennedy Krieger, uh, in Baltimore, um, that was the one thing that I said to him. I'm like, I mean, this was five years ago. I said, like, I don't really know what you guys are going to do, uh, but you know, here, this is kind of what it is, this is the research, whatever. And I'm like, you know, you're dealing with spinal cord injury people. Like, I, I just don't know. Um, and I remember the lady saying like, Zach, you have no idea what literally just giving people conditioning will do for them and in terms of increasing their function you know it basically was the premise of look like we're not talking about reversing a spinal cord injury or things like that we're literally just talking about increasing their capacity to, to do work um and the way that we're doing it now is with hit training um we have got we have people come in here and they just basically run through like modified crossfit style workouts um and that was the the deal um, the, the one thing I forget the exact, um, pathology of the individual in, in one of the cases, uh, it was a stroke or something, but they had basically ran through like their traditional protocol, like what they would do with them. And they just weren't making progress. And then they turned around and started doing BFR. I want to say it was around November. And then they, they gave like an update on what happened, um, where the person was at in June. And I want to say like walk distance during a six minute walk test and whatnot, doubled bird balance wow. scale, uh, significant increases. I'm talking like, I hate to give it the number. I want to say it was like a 20 point increase on the bird. Um, like it's just these phenomenal changes that you got within eight months. And it's almost, I think like how you look at it with, how it got adopted with in the orthopedic side of things, you know, it, the, the push initially wasn't for like post-ops and whatnot. It was for these people that just have these chronic issues that just aren't getting better with what we're traditionally doing. And so, well, let's just try it with these folks. Um, and do we get in a result and do we have an impact? And so it, it looks like, you know, that was one of the things that they were um, basically rolling out in some of the cases that they were using it with was these individuals, they're chronically out, just aren't getting better. Um, and it's almost, what do we have to lose at this point? Yeah. 
that's what Chanda said, you know, Chanda plan with all the SCI folks up there, yeah. just that conditioning they're getting was, 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 was like, I'm just so liberating and actually seeing some outcomes from it. it's even double liberating. That's yeah. Pretty sweet. Well, that kind yeah. of rolls into uh, Mark's, unless you guys have something else on that one. Um, mm -hmm. No, but no. Mark uh, Menagio's talk, I always screw up his last name. Manyago. Uh, Manyago. Manyago. And we did a podcast with Mark a while back. We worked pretty closely with him. He's going to, he's creating a nice little niche here, but um, looking at it with, you know, not just a bunch of different neural populations, but specifically with MS. And so his talk won um, best platform talk for, I forget what it was, like de oh, degenerative degener disease. No, it oh, won. Yeah. Be yeah, it best, nice. yeah, best in show, man. So good for him. Um, and he's got his VA grants um, to study it bigger, but he's he's already got good amount of pilot data. I think this one, I was on the abstract, I think it was 15 subjects um, that they were able to finally get in this. It had uh, pretty severe yeah. MS, uh, the disability scale. I don't really know that scale, but it's between a six and a seven. So Yeah, it's it's pretty huge. So what that translates to is those, those folks were literally, they're using an assistive device to to ambulate um on the verge i think seven to it's seven and a half wheelchair. is that's what i was yeah, gonna say seven seven, and, seven and a half is, is wheelchair bound yeah so yeah. um yeah yeah so what he does it's twice a week for eight weeks this is his protocol he's doing leg press calf press hip abduction um i can't remember he's doing both limbs i don't know if he's doing it simultaneous or alternating um, in that population, I'd almost think it's alternating just because it's pretty hard, but we can always clear that, clarify that with him. But it, overall, they had medium to large effect sizes for increasing knee extension strength. Um, their 30-second uh, sits of stands, their bird balance, and the modified fatigue impact scale. So um, to see those after eight weeks of moderate to, to large effect size and, and that severe disability is pretty cool. They didn't see any change significantly for plantar flexor strength, the MS walk scale, or the 25 uh, foot timed walk. But we, we do have the other paper where they walked with BFR and MS and did mm -hmm. increase those factors. So I just, I just wonder on those, not hitting those two walk kind of milestones, if it was because he was primarily doing strength based exercises. And if you, if you worked in a walk protocol, could you see those? It was less severe MS too in that walk study. That limb yeah, was yeah. less yeah. severe I also. I remember talking, I asked him specifically about that. Um, and I think what he what he said was basically they were a lot more severe. And, and like um, Kyle and I were saying, I mean, when you get to that EDSS of like around a seven to a seven and a half, they're wheelchair bound. So, you know, that, that'll drastically sway your results. And you know, when you start ruling out those folks, you may not have enough of a sample then to really yeah. kind of draw conclusions from the remainder that can walk. So robot assisted with BFR, baby. I mean, he, needs to, he needs to get him some robot assisted <laughs> stuff up there. Dr. Monago was uh, rather impressed with um, the access to equipment that Parkview had. He was like, man, I'm a Colorado. We don't even have a robot assistant gate. That's awesome, you know? We had him he's, at the CFI. He's with the VA. He, he's with the VA. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, exactly. but he's in Colorado, too, though. Yeah. 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 VA is just new. Like, he's only with the VA for, like, six months or so. Yeah. But, it, you know, that protocol would be interesting if eight weeks you can get some of those people strength up enough that they could potentially walk. 
And then you yeah. transition from, okay, you've done your strength training. Now we're going to move into yeah. the walking protocol. And, and that, that, that might be pretty sweet. So it'd the, be nice to see. The, the exercise though, Johnny, cause you just said leg press, but it was the, it's that little slider thing, right? That's on the ground. The mini shuttle. Little, yeah. The mini, little, mini shuttle. Yeah. 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 And then I forget, how are they doing, um, hip abduction i know he told us but I, uh supine um it, it was it was a lot of yeah kind of gravity minimized and then okay. using using a band um yeah. for the for the resistance for those folks yeah and the calf press was on that little mini shuttle as well i think yeah. right yeah and that's probably just maybe not enough load or ability to do that right so good stuff for him though it's interesting he's gonna have more and more things coming out what else did you guys get to go to any talks? Were you working the whole time? We were. We, well, were, we got a lot, of, a lot of folks at the booth for yeah. sure. I mean, we all we all went to that neuro talk uh, on the first oh. day. Like we got to that one, um, and then I broke off and I went and I talked to my buddy Matt Stump, who's at Anderson mm -hmm. University. We we loaned them a device so that they could finish out um, uh, an Achilles repair case. So they had a. Um, a PT student who was at the time they started using BFR with him. He had been discharged. He had just been discharged from PT and had terrible plantar flexor strength, terrible plantar flexor girth. Um, perfect, so, perfect time to discharge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's an all too common story, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and so in, in the, the guy is like a, former, I want to say collegiate basketball player and, and then also an athletic trainer. So has some background, knows that his functional level is like well below where it really kind of should be, even for him to be back to kind of what quote unquote prior level function as you might see a PT document. Um, so, and he was having a hard time doing any kind of just calf exercise in general. So, so they started him on BFR. I think they got about eight weeks under their belt. And then um, he had to go on rotation. So we loaned them a device so that he could keep up with that, with that rehab. Um, Matt kind of, I think Matt, I feel like Matt, my buddy, um, kind of spearheaded that whole thing. So they gathered some data on him, you know, kind of prior to starting. So they, they captured, I want to say some force plate data. Um, they got some ultrasound data um, on, I think, tendon and muscle. Um, and then I forget, you know, maybe like some walking data or something like that. So, um, I mean, long story short, guy did really well. Um, uh, he's back to playing basketball now. Um, yeah, I think at this point he's, um, probably about a year and a half out from the surgery, but, um, the BFR seemed to kind of be the thing that got him moving in the right direction, if you will. So, so that was cool. Sounds um, like Kevin Durant, baby. Very yeah. similar story. Year and a half as well. Yeah. Luckily, it was COVID that hit, so no one noticed. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. And and then Mike Body and and um, Andrea. Oh, I forget her last name. Um, yeah, they they had their pay, their poster um, on total knee combined yeah. with for with home BF, use. Yeah, BFR neuromuscular stem home use. So. Basically found it was feasible, didn't find that they changed much in terms of functional outcomes and muscle performance, but 
um, that people were able to put the device on, they were able to operate it, you know, yeah. that kind of thing, I, you know, and talking to them, they, they kind of felt like they probably just in many ways didn't quite get to a therapeutic dose with um, the neuromuscular stem and BFR. It probably just wasn't intense enough for long enough for frequent enough for, for whatever you want to do. So um, I think just kind of highlights, you can't just throw BFR at something for one, which is, you know, certainly a mantra that we have um, repeated over and over and over and over again, and should kind of continue to be repeated. Um, but, you know, once we kind of figure out the programming, that would be, um, there's an avenue there potentially. Didn't they, uh, they, they compared that to historical data, right? Yeah, yeah. They compared to historical data and, and they just found that their cohort wasn't any different really. Well, the BFR group only did, was it, it was, it was half the time. If I remember right. They started, um, they, they started did. around week four and went to week eight or 12. I forget. I thought it was 12. Um, and yeah. then the, the other folks they were comparing out to like they had like double the visits or something yeah i don't remember i'd have to go back and look specifically i'm I'm like i want to say i remember that because i remember making that when we talk with them i I, when you look at their data i want to say that that was the thing yeah because i remember johnny making a joke that the bfr group got um the same results in half the time uh, yeah. I want to. I, I want to say. I want to say that's what I that was good. The um, when when you looked at the results were pretty much the exact same. There was no difference between historical data and the BFR group. But then when you look at either the duration or number of visits, I want to say it was like half. I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't that know. Sense. I, so you know, they're giving out the units and having to kind of limit the amount of time these people could have them at their yeah. house and stuff like that. But they, they crossed the first hurdle, which is feasibility. And, yeah. You know, I remember when they were first like, we're going to give these to post-op total knee patients to do at home. We're like, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked and everyone did fine. Some of them just freaking hated it. And some of them liked it as, as to be expected. But they, you know, as far as we could tell, they were they were doing it. And they, they checked them to make sure they were, they were doing it right. So, yeah. Cool. Now we just got to dial in the the dosage sounds like yeah I, th- I think so you know that's the the biggest thing and and i mean it's okay if it's like not a thing too but yeah definitely need to figure out the dosage so that we're kind yeah. of apples to apples kind of comparing things so um i did there was one some really funny thing that happened um and and i think we kind of all experienced this to a degree uh at csm i actually like tweeted something similar about it yesterday or the other day um but as we're standing there um, I was talking, Nick Rolnick was there and, and he and Mike were talking and I was talking to Andrea and then I was kind of talking to, to Nick and Mike and this big dude with like a loud kind of authoritative voice comes up behind us, random guy, no clue who this dude is. And then it goes, neuromuscular stem a week four, you know, like, I couldn't tolerate that. I'm like, it's just so random. I'm like, what in the world? And just rude, you know? Um, and Mike being like the just professional and champ that he is and the silver fox, you know, yeah. just was like totally handled it, cool, calm, and collected, and was like, well, you know, I mean, we've kind of done this 
a, a decent lot. amount yeah. adding neuromuscular <laughs> stim to BFR. It's not like our, our first rodeo and, and just really kind of, kind of settled the guy down, but the guy was still like fascinatingly unconvinced. Um, and, and I know Ben, I know this happened to Ben and Zach, but I had so many people, these are like physical therapists or physical therapy students that are going to have to interact in an interpersonal manner all the time when they're doing their job clinically. And they just walk up and immediately start talking to you or asking you a question and oftentimes not very nice. And I just have to go, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. I'm Kyle. (laughs) Just freaking introduce yourself. You're you're sitting there talking to someone else and they come right in the middle. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not an AI controlled freaking app. You know, I'm actually a human being. Um, So I don't know, man, like, I don't know if that's a trend. It just made me kind of ponder like, what are we teaching people? Oh, here at comes least Kyle's two of the people that did millennial this rant. Here comes the millennial. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. Because at least at least yeah, two Z, of the people that did are. this, at least two of the people that did this were professors in PT school. Well, man, full boat. That's a boomer thing. Like, yeah. What the <laughs> hell is going on? Like, uh, you know, well, I guess on that same kind of note, um, got some kind of update that Alex Franz's post-op total total oh, joint cool. trial is. Um, looking like it's really going in a positive direction. So he's starting them like on IPC the day after their surgery and just to kind of get them ready for it. And then combining that with STEM and, and I guess in their initial kind of analysis, it's already looking like there's some, some good changes compared to the control group. So are they, doing, um, it, are they in IPC? I thought they were doing just like 80% in quad contractions or something. It sounds like right off the bat, they're just kind of IPC in it. And then they're moving into like a quad contraction with STEM from, from what I was told. So I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, doing it right in that post-op window might be a a way we're going to really start to tackle this. Yeah. I mean, that'd be cool. That'd be, be nice to have something published like that. Just if nothing else to address tourniquet safety timeframe after that kind of surgery, that's always been a, a question that we get. So I think he's going to nail that with all his stuff that he's doing. Um, he's really oh, yeah. churning it out early on those people. So we'll hopefully right. we can get him over to CSM maybe. I don't know if it'd be ready next year, but in two years with all his data. Yeah. yeah. Well, he'll be here actually next year. That might be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But he'll have data. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he said, and he said on the podcast that they actually like got all the orthopedic surgeons to sit down in a room and talk about it and go, okay. Like, what are we specifically concerned about? You know, because most of the conversations that we as clinicians have with the physicians is just like, you know, very quick and to the point. And, you know, like there's not really a a deep understanding of what we're doing discussed. And and at least it sounded like they kind of got them all in a room or like, okay, early on, what are we really concerned about? And to a T, they were like, I, I, I can't name a thing, yeah. you know, I mean, we hear all the time, oh, we're worried about the incision or, oh, we were worried. We don't know what's safe. It's like, that's a cop out, man. Like yeah. specifically, what are you worried about? What about a few minutes of occlusion or restriction mm-hmm. is problematic? What is it physiologically manipulating that you consider to be problematic? And when they did that, like. I mean, nobody could put their finger on anything. Well, and he threw down the 
if you're nervous about the incision, then you need to work on your incisions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it helps when you're the orthopedic surgeon who's in there in that room um, just doing the that. study yeah. as well. So, right. well, and that starting early, I guess, kind of brings us into the, uh, the Dr. Kahalan, um, Magno and, and Brady Anderson's and my talk, which I did record it. I, I heard my jokes just still crushed it. I, at the very end on my talk, I was like, thank you for your time. And I said, I also... Um, we're supposed to remind you guys that uh, Larry Cahalan said first rounds on him tonight. Um, so you guys all enjoy. <laughs> so he said he had to get up after my talk and say, Johnny's joking. Um, <laughs> I'm not get everyone drinks tonight. <laughs> but they uh, broke down. So we have a paper that came out, uh, I think, a few weeks ago, um, basically on remote ischemic preconditioning with people who have lung transplants or lung surgeries. And surprisingly, there are papers out there that have, have looked at that, as well as a hypothesis of could this help with COVID. And this paper was done like two years ago when COVID was still kind of a thing, even though apparently it's still a thing because it, it keeps you from going to CSM. Um, but but it, was, it was pretty interesting. So they wanted to see, could you do RIPC and improve um, pulmonary gas exchange in these people that have these, these big lung surgeries? So the inclusion criteria was that um, had to be adults with some sort of lung disease that required surgery. Uh, they had to have a randomization of either they got RIPC or they got um, uh, nothing. And they also had to measure baseline and post pulmonary gas exchange, inflammatory markers and oxidative stress markers. So there was 48 studies, only four met inclusion criteria, but it was still almost 400 subjects, like 370 subjects. Um, in that meta-analysis, one study had a lot. I think it was like 130 in, in just yeah. one study alone. But um, basically, the inflammatory markers, oxidative stress, and, and pretty much most of the pulmonary targets they were looking at, if you look at the four spots, um, almost all of it was positive for remote ischemic preconditioning having a significant effect. Um, and so basically this was done right before surgeries or once anesthesia is in, they would just do it. I think two of them did it on the arm, two of them did it on a leg. So just unilateral, the, the typical three rounds, five minutes on five minutes off. Um, and, and, you know, very interested in that second window effect. That seems like where for this population, there's a, there's a lot of action that's happening. So they, they did a pretty good job from the slides they sent me of breaking down, you know, that first window, you get all this ion exchange and, you know, this kind of hypoxia and that's that 24 to 72 hour window. You know, you had an increase in potential endothelial function. You had decreased oxidative stress markers. You had an increase in fibrinolysis, decrease in inflammatory markers and increase in gene expression, things like heat shock proteins and HIF-1A and things like that. So if you can get this on these people, you've got two to three days afterwards that you might be kind of getting this sort of protective effect. And so um, that, that was basically what they did find. And then Brady's talk was pretty cool because he's the guy boots on the ground. So Brady Anderson, he's professor at University of Miami, he also works in the Jackson, I forget the name of Jackson Hospital or something like that. And he is in the ICU with these lung patients, um, post-op lung surgeries, actually doing it. So he had some badass videos of like, you know, these people in the ICU beds just doing either RIPC or stem with it or laying on their back doing like a recumbent bike with it on. You can tell these are they are some 
pretty sick looking individuals like man I, I would be so nervous putting on them and he's just cranking away man um, doing you know e-stem leg extensions with it all um and and he said you know at his, his concluding slides is he had multiple of his subjects say you know saying they were sad or kind of upset when he was saying they were going to have to discharge doing BFR and, and move on to something else that they really seemed to think that that helped it. He also said some of them did not like it at all, <laughs> as you would also expect. Uh, but he, he was mark, he was also measuring things like uh, RPE, blood pressure and heart rate. It was pretty interesting. The kind of rise in your heart rate and blood pressure in these individuals really kind of followed this real linear, interesting RPE type scale in a couple of them. So you would see it went up about 10 millimeters of mercury on their heart rate. I mean, 10 of beats um, per minute on their heart rate. They're like, it's around a four or five. Once they start to get up to like 20, you know, it's also like, I'm at like an eight type thing. So that RPE scale, I think is a, is a really helpful tool. You know, even when you're looking at something just like hemodynamic responses in these individuals. So um, pretty cool. And, and similar to what, you know, you're saying with uh, you know, Alec Franz tell me why you shouldn't do it. You know, he said when they were first looking at why they shouldn't do it in these patients, you know, he threw out that they have these blood pressure cuffs on that are inflating and deflating all day on these folks. And so, you know, what's the big deal if I inflate it and hold it on for a little bit longer to hopefully get a therapeutic dose. Um, and so was able to get the green light. So that that's pretty cool. And then the whole into COVID Obviously, COVID, you know, there's a lot of lung-based aspects. So if you're improving those pulmonary markers in, in COVID patients, that's that's big. And Kaylin went into the again the, the whole ACE2 um, potential to be upregulated, which is is a good thing to have because that's what COVID attacks. And BFR has been shown, at least in one pretty good paper, that it increases ACE2 as well as the angiogenic effect could be really huge in, in these individuals. So interesting stuff. And Kahalen is trying to get some grants to study this deeper. Yeah, you guys missed that talk too. So you missed some of my amazing virtual jokes. Were they jokes we haven't heard? <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, <laughs> He's got fresh content? Or, yeah. What? Uh, actually, they probably weren't. <laughs> <laughs> did, did Larry present on any stuff in BFR with heart failure? I mean, I know he's been a poster. Kind of on that. poster. Okay. Yeah. So that paper's out too. So, right. um, yeah, I'm on that one. It came out in frontiers and physiology. So if, if you BFR in the heart failure, heart disease and the, the muscle hypothesis, it's in frontiers and physiology. So it's open access. You can just look, look that up. Dr. Kahalen or Johnny Owen, you'll, you can pull it up and get it for free. Um, and that meta-analysis, yeah, basically it was smaller. I think there was only like 150 subjects um, that have done BFR with those type of conditions. But again, it, it, everything that you were looking for seemed to move the right way and strength improved as well as some left ventricular um, function and things like that. And the hypothesis, we've done a, a, a podcast with Kahalen maybe twice now. I can't remember. Um, but I, I think he's gone into that muscle hypothesis, basically, that the heart is trying to get blood out to the muscle, left ventricular functions down in these heart failure patients. And so you're not getting blood out there and then you start to go into atrophy and then you have less ability to, to get blood moving and, and it's just this kind of vicious cycle. So just adding muscle could be beneficial 
beneficial just for, for kind of heart function. Um, it, it kind of disperses it. But then the big thing that he's always talking about is the um, reduced stroke volume. It kind of sucks the, the fluid off that left ventricle and it gives the heart a beating, no pun intended, but I don't even know, was that a pun beating chance? Um, gives it, gives it a chance to work. And so that and the increased respiration, he thinks are three just kind of really key factors where BFR could help these kind of patients. And in his pilot data, the ones with the worst ejection fractions seem to be doing better um, on his, whatever he's measuring for, for his heart markers. Yeah, so, pretty cool. All right, so let's talk about the party. What was the best bourbon? Can we back up first? <laughs> no, I know. I'd like to <laughs> exactly would, like to interject. Would, yeah, I would like to talk about some of the things at the houseboat. Um, oh, okay. Specifically, <laughs> Kyle running the gate to get into the parking lot Thursday. <laughs> oh well, uh, and I I start to freak out because the arms coming down is going to hit the truck, and then don't think much more about it. We go to the houseboat and we. We go, we're going to go get something to eat, and we're stranded in the parking lot uh, because we didn't use the key card to get into the parking lot, so we can't, yeah. we, can't, we can't get out. Scan yeah. in, so yeah, we can scan out. There was specific yeah. guidance to say, make sure yeah. you scan in every time and scan out every time. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, that specific yeah. guidance was not given to yours truly. The individual and, that would well, actually be driving the vehicle. Either way, I might be true. Of, I don't know. Well, I think then we can talk about uh, the events of Friday leading up to the party. That the kind of, of shift, that, that <laughs> shifted <laughs> our plans going into the party. The Technopalooza, um, yeah, Technopalooza for sure. <laughs> because uh, you know, uh, so Ben yeah. and I are at the booth. And we look around and it's like, where's Kyle at? No idea where Kyle went. And Kyle just disappeared. So then Kyle comes back and he goes, hey, so I guess we got to go to this thing tonight called Technopalooza. And I'm like, what is, what's Technopalooza? He goes, dude, I don't know. I was just over there. And this guy asked us specifically if we're going to be at Technopalooza. And uh, I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll be there. And so then like very, but hang on. So <laughs> you got to understand how this happened. This is an important part of this puzzle. Well, Zach's not giving. So I, the reason I was gone was I was going over to the Academy of Innovation and Leadership to get all the wristbands that we had to have in order to get into the party. And the, one of the people running the party introduces me to the president of the Academy of Innovation and Leadership. And he comes over, he's, he's a bit of a close talker and he's very intent <laughs> with his communication and he's very like strong with the eye contact. And he's like, are, are you coming to the Technopalooza? And I'm like, well, I don't know, what is that? And he's good it's beforehand and people show their technology. And, and so I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, we can come. I can bring a device, that'd be no problem. And uh -huh. like, oh, awesome. We'll so, be so glad to have you. So then. Okay. So yeah. then we, we leave CSM for the day. We're at the dock and Ben and I are like, man, you know, I don't really know if I want to be there from like 630 until 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I know. Same page, and, by the way. Same no, page. Just, <laughs> and then, so Ben's like, man, Tyler, are you sure? Like, 
we need to be doing this. And Kyle's like, look, man, the guy asked us specifically if we're coming to Technopalooza. And, and I told him, yeah, I told him we would. He's like, you know, I don't necessarily want to go either, guys. But you know what? We're going to go. did not want to so, go. Mm-hmm. Really, all did right. Not. So did we're at not. the dock. Now, mind you, this is probably close to five o'clock at night by the time we get back to the, the, the boat. And uh, instead of going and having a nice meal before this uh, party for a purpose, we got to go to five guys. Uh, because there, there's nothing else we can do to eat fast to get to Technopalooza. So we go to five guys and then, uh, we leave, we go to, uh, get Kyle drops us off like an Uber driver and I'm walking in with what looks like the nuclear football. It's like the, uh, the big Pelican case for, for the unit. (laughs) And so it's like they got and and so party for a purpose was at the children's museum so it's there's a big line out front you know and it's they got like bouncers and security like make, making sure no one's going in early so we walk up ben and i do and guy goes what can i do for you and he's like hey we're here for technopalooza we're supposed to be like you know uh, uh and uh uh you know we're kind of a big deal we're, we're yeah, we're, here. We're, yeah. we're displaying this device right here you know technology whatever guy goes oh okay he goes all right, just follow me in. So he ushers us in. And then we go over to this table. The guy goes, who are you guys with? And we're like, we're with uh, ORS or Owens Recovery Science. Um, we're here to, um, you know, for the event. And the guy's looking, you know, flipping through the pages. You know, it's never a good thing when they don't even recognize who you are. So he's like, guys, he's like, I, I don't see you on, on the list. And we're like, no, no, like double check again. Like, cause dude, our guy told us, that that we're we needed to be here for this so he's like god he's like what what is it again and we're like owens recovery science he goes guys he's like i I don't see it who told you to come here and we're like well kyle did close talker guy (laughs) and then he goes uh he goes well who did kyle talk to and so ben's calling up kyle this is the best part kyle who did you talk to i don't know the guy just asked us if we're coming, and I told him, yeah, we would come. He's, oh. he's the guy, you know? Yeah, like, he's, he's, oh, the guy. he's the guy. He's the Mind you, when we're at he's five guys, when we're at five guys, I said, Kyle, what are we supposed to do tonight? Like, what are we going to be doing? He goes, I don't know, Z. He goes, I mean, probably playing a ball pit. I, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, dude, it's a children's museum. It's not a children's playground, okay? It's, yeah. it's not a – they don't have ball pits. And so anyway – and so we call Kyle back and we're like, dude, like, we're not supposed to be here right now. And he goes, what do you mean? We're like, dude, they don't have a space for us. So we, we take the, the nuclear football back out to the truck and, uh, and then we go back in and Kyle goes, who did you talk to? I said, I talked to Joe Burrows over there. And uh, he goes, that's not who I talked to. And I said, well, dude, the guy that you talked to doesn't have a role with what's going on right now. I said, just some guy, dude wandering around just, yeah, I said, just messing with people. That guy. Hey, dude, Joe, Joe, Joe Burrows over there, he's the guy with the list that basically says, yeah, you're supposed to be here. And so that was the start of the night. So this is basically like your college relived. And, and for the record. Not going any of the cool clubs. For yeah. the record. I talked to that gentleman again later that night. I didn't tell him what happened because I'm like, there was clearly some sort of misunderstanding. But he was the president of the Academy for Innovation and Leadership, the people hosting that thing. So I think I don't he know was who just Joe Burrow if, was, I, but Joe, Bur- Joe Burrows was the guy with the sheet. 
I think that yeah. guy was just wondering if you're going to show up to see what the, the vendors had to show at Technopalooza. Yeah. Yeah. I, it may have been. I, maybe I completely misunderstood, but well, yeah. I mean, anyway. I, I, I think we had a good time that, at the party, though, damn it. Yeah, there there was a cool speakeasy and some some good good bourbons and tequilas to be had. Um, I, I think the better part of that night, though, is how it ended. Uh, Kyle, do you, you want to tell people about the? <laughs> Can we garage? talk about the dang party, Joe? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apparently, in San Diego, public parking lots actually close. Like well, they it, shut the gate and they do not allow you in. So unless you have your your little ticket. And then you can prepay to leave, yeah, and then the gate opens up. Could. I don't think it would have opened. I think yeah, it I don't was think like, it was going to let us. I think leave. it was locked anyway. So, so that happened. Yeah, we got the truck got locked, and we had to Uber back to the houseboat. Um, and <laughs> I had to, so do I have to be at all these things from now so on? So I got up. I got up. I got up the gases. next morning. Went and got the truck. Came back and picked these jackals up and took them. And we, we were everywhere that we needed to be when we needed to be. Other than we didn't necessarily need to be at Technopalooza. Yeah. Um, Noted. But the party was good. The was. I Ben had, what bourbon did you have, Ben? You liked it. I had a... Uh, that was Johnny's question that kicked yeah, off all of this. I, I had a, 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 a Milam and Green, you know, local Blanco, oh, Texas. The, yeah. And, uh, and then I did the Heaven Hill. Oh yeah, yeah. Bottled and bond. Yeah, Corbin. Corbin was on the Heaven Hill. He yeah. he had been looking for that. I had the Willet. I forget what year it was. It was good. It was tasty. That's some good uh, stuff, though, man. They had a, they had a yeah, and the speakeasy they had like kind of like some higher end um, bourbons and and tequilas and whatnot. Um, so that was well, cool. that party was a success too. Party so it's party with success. a purpose. We sponsored it along with like ATI and. I forgot two other companies and uh, they raised $105,000 um, for charities, which is pretty sweet. Jimmy McKay, our, our friend with PT Pinecast and APTA Geriatrics. So I suspect this will be happening again. Um, so that was cool. And also we supported uh, the Worthington uh, Fellowship. So right. mm -hmm. we gave one lucky PT student uh, a scholarship. So cool. That seemed good. Ben got to meet our student. Seemed like a nice guy. Yeah. What happens if you don't like the student? We didn't even get to meet him. What if he was just a jerk off? Did we have pulled our money and given to someone else? I don't know. <laughs> good question. I think we should well, be able to have, check it out. We should, yeah. I mean, we should text um, Kathy. Carol Joe. Yeah. Carol Joe. Yeah. Carol Joe. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, it was, it was cool. I mean, you know, I got to have a little short conversation with him prior to it, you know, since since I was, since Johnny wasn't able to make it in time, I, I got to go do the uh, the photo shoot for handing off the check. So Did I you have I a big check? check. I had the check in my hand. It was a small check. It would have been better if uh, it was like the giant mm -hmm. check. Uh, but you know, I could have just held on to it and not handed it over if I wasn't happy with it. So okay. Well, now we know yeah, for next year because they've they've already hit me up for next year. Just so you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, awesome, man. I'm sorry I missed the good times and, and Kyle's, um, you know, flaws of, of leadership, but it's but it's OK. So uh, next year it's uh, Boston, I think. Right. Yep. Pretty sure that's where we are. All right. In town. Within like a month, probably. So. All right. Hopefully we break the 40 mark for BFR posters mm -hmm. and talks. Yeah.
growing by leaps and bounds. All right, fellas, it's been real. We're going to have a lot more podcasts coming up. Some cool papers have been coming out. I think we've got guests scheduled, you know, for almost for the year or something Kyle was saying. So uh, we're, we're going to start churning and burning these things now. All righty. Peace out. Peace out. See you. Thanks for listening to the Owens Recovery Science Podcast. Owens Recovery Science is a single source for PTs, OTs, ATCs, DCs, MDs, and other medical professionals seeking certification in personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com. One last thing before we get out of here. First, want to say a sincere thank you for listening all the way through, but also wanted to remind you that this podcast should not be considered medical advice. It is strictly entertainment. It's a way for us to try to keep up with what is ongoing within the BFR world. If you require some sort of medical attention, medical advice, please seek that from a licensed individual within your state. Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon.